Good morning, everybody. Today, Bez Hashem will learn Daphnun Hay in Maseches Bavakama. Shor Shenaga Ches Para was our parak, and we're going to start Hakainus. Hopefully, unbelievable. Uh, next parak over there. We were doing the last mission over here in Shor Shenaga Ches Para, and it had an amazing uh, mission that explained what all which animals are included in eight different dinim, right? Because we were talking about Nefila Sabor, which animals, the whole animal kingdom. If it falls into a pit, uh, Andrew is going to be respons- responsible for, for all the damages done to those animals. Um, ha- and so the other examples were Hafrashas Harsinai, Tashlumei Kefel, Hashavas Aveda, right? All of these things were which animals were included in it. And for all of those things, right, it was the Chasim, the Kalayim, the Shabbos. It would be all of those animals, okay? And the last thing that we were talking about was that a lot of them are learned from Shabbos. On Shabbos, there's two psukim, and this is very important. So, as we know, luchos came down twice. First set of luchos came down were broken, and then there was a, uh, and then there was a second set of luchos. So, in, in the first set of luchos, it says, We're talking about the seres of Dibros. There you go. So your behema can't do malacha on Shabbos. That is in Shmos. And then in Vaischanan and Devarim, it says, Instead of it says, Oh, wait, wow. Now we're more explicit. It's saying not only your behema, your domesticated animal, but it also brings in Shor Vechamor. So says the Gemara, Gabi Shabbos Minalan. How do we know that with regards to Shabbos, right, the restriction of making your animals work on Shabbos, how do we know that that restriction applies not only, right, to, uh, to a behemoth, but it applies to all living creatures? So says the Gemara, the Tanya, Rabbi Yosem, Rabbi Shemuel, Bedibris Harishonus Nemar, as we just indicated in the first set of Luchos, it says, Avdecha ve'amascha uvemtecha, right? It just says, Bemtecha. As we just said, that it includes not only the bemtecha, veshorcha, chamorcha, also the ox, also the donkey, and also all bemtecha. Okay. You know, what's interesting is that an ox and a donkey are the classic, right, behemas, right? Those are the domesticated animals of choice. So, why did they add them? In case you haven't noticed, we're halfway down in Dalaram Bays. Loma Lacha, to tell you, just like in the case of the Shorvachamar here, it's, it also includes Chaya, which would be an undomesticated animal, and an Of, which would be like the birdies. Afkal, so too, in any Halacha mentioning an ox or a donkey, Chaya of Kayotzabahem. The ox or a donkey is also included. Okay, so. Here we know that it's referring that that all animals would be included with regards to Shabbos, and so too that would be true, right? Uh, uh, so it would be true uh, for any malach of Shabbos. It would be true for all the animal kingdom. You can't work your animals. So Barry, you're going to have to close your uh, swimming with dolphins um, business on Shabbos, okay? Even though they're uh, well, maybe the, right. That's not considered necessarily a behemoth. Now. Ema. Now, now, is that really how you have to understand? Do you really have to understand that 
In other words, does it necessarily mean? A lot of times you don't know when it comes to these limudim. Sometimes it's just a masora, right? Sometimes it seems compelling, and sometimes it's like, well, I guess that's they had a some sort of uh, masora that that's what it meant. Because how does the fact that it says behem techa in one in the uh, in the shmos and techa in devarim? How does that mean all animals? I mean, like. I understand that it's redundant, but why does that mean? Why is that what it means? Maybe you could apply the idea of Pratuklal to the two sets of, uh, of Ten Commandments, as it were, as follows. In the first set, it says Behema. So that would be the Klal. And then in the second set of Luchos, it's going to say the Shorchavachamorcha and, uh, and expounds. So you have Klalu Prat, Ein Maklal, Elamashim Prat. Maybe you should learn it like a classic klal uprat. You have the general rule of domesticated animal in the first pasuk, and in the second set of luchos, you have the detail shorvachamorcha. The way you would normally learn a klal uprat is how we say shorvachamor in midiachrina lo. Right? That's how you learn a klal uprat. You have the general rule, and then when you learn the detail of shorvachamorcha. It teaches you the exact opposite of what we're saying now. It doesn't teach you that it includes all animals. It teaches you that it's restricted only to shor v'chamor. After all, we already said that behema, you can't do a malacha with behemas on, sh- on Shabbos. So when the way a klal uprat works is ein b'klal elamashim b'prat. The way it works is it, the second mention of these specific domesticated animals comes to limit the halacha of not working them to those specific ones. So how does that teach you that all animals are chayiv in and Shvisa on Shabbos, right? It seems to teach you the exact opposite. Only the Shor B'chamor is, if you use the usual method of Kalaprat, it should teach you that only the docks and the donkey are, can't be worked, but any other animal can. So the Gemara Amri, this is how you read it. It says, Vechol Be'emtecha. Do you notice that, right? In the first part, it says, Amatcha'u Ve'emtecha. In the second, Luchos, it says, Vechol Be'emtecha. Well, once you have the Vechol, that word seems very inclusive. That it includes it again. So therefore now you no longer have a klal uprat. Rather you have what? A klal uprat uklal. How do you learn a klal uprat uklal? A generalization and then a specific and then another generalization. That you learn the generalization and you do expand the law similar to but more expansive than the specifics. What is similar to but more expansive than a shorvachamor? Ma prat mufurish balechaim, afko balechaim. They're all alive. So that's the way you expound it. So again, of course, as a masora, how far do you go, right? But the answer is you go to all living things, that all living things are going to be chayev in Shvisa's Shabbos. But, and again, all, all of the other eight things, a lot of them were learned from Shabbos, and then that's how you. Continue and expand. Says the Gemara Beima, but say as follows: My problem for Shadavar Shuni Vlasim Matam Magamasa. You know, as we've mentioned already, this is going to be copy paste. The Shor Vachamor are more unique than, let's say, a goldfish or a little bird, because Shor Vachamor are not just both part of the animal kingdom, but they're both like behemas. Where if they were Nevela, they'd be Tumah Magamasa, as we mentioned before, right? That, that Tumah would be conveyed. Right, not so for a bird, let's say. So says the Gemara, why, when you say a klal, a klal, and the prat, the details, shor v'chamor, that doesn't seem to be expanding all the way to goldfish. Maybe you should expand it only to those things which their bodies would be metame, right? So 
Maybe the only things that would be included in the Melechah Shabbos would be animals that are um, going to right, uh, be metame. Aval ofos lo, which is to exclude birds, for example, which are not, as we mentioned yesterday, metame magamasa. So now we're going to answer similar to what we said yesterday. Amri, im kein, if that were true, that the Torah were only meant to include those things which are metame, nichtar rechman achad parata. It would only have to have written either shor or chamor. The fact that it said both of them, now that's expanding more than just one, right? So it had said, if it had said uvehem techa, and then in the second set of luchos, it would have said vishorcha vechol behem techa. So then already you would say only those things which are matame. But the fact that it says vishorcha vechamorcha, that added, the fact that we have two animals makes it, uh, is an indication that it means more than just those things are matame, but really the entire animal kingdom. However, we're going to ask, as we asked yesterday, well, which one would you write? Shor or chamor? Hai nichta v'chamor? Which one would the, would the uh, Torah have written? And again, as we did yesterday, what we're going to prove now is that the Torah really could not have written one or the other because we would have made a misunderstanding, would have led to a misunderstanding. And for that reason, we had to have written both. And if we had to have written both, so then we're back to the cloud prat to cloud question. But let's read that inside. Which one should it have written? Shor or Chamor? If it had only written Shor, you would have thought that the only animal that's included in the Melech of Shabbos is an animal that can be brought in the Mizbech, right? Because after all, you do bring an ox on the Mizbech all the time, all day, but not a donkey. That you never bring as a carbon. So that's why you have to write Chamor. Chamor. However, if you'd only written donkey, because of Rechman and only Chamor, Hava Amina Kadosh Bivchor in, Shein Kadosh Bivchor Lo. Only the Chamor has the firstborn, the issue of Bechoros. Uh, and therefore, you would have thought that only those things which are included in Bechoros would be included in the Melech of Shabbos, because of Rechman and Shor. And it is for that reason that you wrote Shor. And therefore, you need both Shor and Chamor. So the fact that you have Shor and Chamor doesn't come to include the entire animal kingdom. It comes to include things which are both both on the Mizbech and have the status of Bechor. So then, therefore, if you did need both Shor Chamor, the Gemara wants to know, how then does the fact that they're both there include the entire animal kingdom? We go back to saying, says the Gemara, This V'chol Techa is a term that is so inclusive that it's adding on, not just Shor, not just Chamor. It's not just a Klal Uprata Klal, but it's also a generalized term that indicates that it's more than just the animals that are conveying Tumah, but rather the entire animal kingdom is subject to this uh, aspect of Shabbos. Okay. Is that true? Ask the Gemara 15 lines up. Everywhere it says Kol, it's actually so inclusive. We have Pesukim Ma'aser Shani, where it says kol, the word kol, because our shinin lebechalalu prat, right? And nevertheless, we just have it as a klal uprat uklal, and we don't say that's more inclusive. How do we know? What's the example? Let's look, let's look inside. The Tanya. The Bryce says the following. Right? When it gives, when it talks about maiser sheni, it says you can exchange. The question is, when you give maiser sheni, right? You could have money, and you then exchange it for food in your shalim. So it says, and you should give the, Money, Maisashani money, in exchange for kol, kol machal, any food that is going to be, that you want, okay? That's the klal. Babakar, batson, vayayin, vesheichar. And then the Torah actually explicitly says what you can, right? 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 Babakar, what? By the way, 
Did you notice yesterday, Simla and Salma? Yeah. Rashi had it right. Brilliant. The Psukim and, and the Torah. Just the way, did you know that that's the same word? Okay. Right? So you give the Maeser Sheni with anything that you want. And then the Pasuk continues to say, this is Dvarim Yadal Chafav, Bakar, Batson, Biyain, Shechar, Kol Shertish, Alcho, Nafshecha. Vechalta Sham Lifne Hashem Alkecha, Vesamachta, Atao, Vetecha. Okay. So it's uh, itemizing it, right? Bakar, Tson, Yain, Shechar. So there you have the Klal is Bechol. We just read the Pasuk, Asher Tavin, Nafshecha. And then it has the details. Bakar, Batson, Yain, Shechar is the Prat. And then it goes on and again generalizes. Uvechol, Asher Tish Alcho, Nafshecha. Anything. Chazar v'chalal. Klal u'prat u'klal. That's a classic klal u'prat u'klal. And there you should say, Yatadan elakein aprat. In that case, it should be like the detail. Ma prat hamaforosh prima priva gedulei karka. So when it mentions bakar tzon yain shechar, it's basically anything that's nourished from the ground. So those animals and living things, right? Stuff you would get at Whole Foods. Not pros- not none of that processed junk. So af kol prima priva gedulei karka. So anything that's uh, fruit from a fruit or nourished from the ground can be purchased with mice or shani. Okay, so, but, so, so the issue is like this. Had we treated the word b'chol like very inclusive, then we'd also be able to do falafel, you know what I mean, and, and rugelach, and candy, and anything that you want. Why does it only have to be the natural whole food stuff, right? So the, is the word kol really as inclusive as we thought it was? It's the Gemara, amri b'chol klala. Kol is ribuya. How do you like that, right? Because in the Pasuk by Meister Shani, it says, That is not as inclusive as The extra base ruins it. <laughs> the extra base with Meister Shani is a little bit more limiting because it's almost like that which is within the call. As a, so that's more limiting as opposed to call when it comes to the behemoths is including the entire animal kingdom. Wow. So the Gemara, or that's one way to get out of it. The difference between Meister Shani and, and this. Ibai Seima, another way to get out of it is kol nami klalahu, that they're both general. Miu hai kol However, the term kol here by Shabbos is more inclusionary. Right? Because after all, in the case of Shabbos, right, we already have the Luchos Rishonos when it just said uvehemtecha. So we already have like a precedent where it doesn't have the kol, right? As opposed to by uh, Meister Shani, it says, it's the first time that it says it. So, says the Gemara, since it, it had already said because in, we have precedent in the first set of Luchos that it said just Behemtecha, and now, because of Vechol Behemtecha, and now that says Vechol Behemtecha, so this Vechol, in context of the second Luchos, is more inclusive than the Vechol of Maeser Sheni, because we already have it as a contrast to the Vemtecha and the first Luchos, and it is for that reason that the call of Vechol Vemtecha is more inclusive than the Vechol of Meiser Sheni, Shmami Nari Buya, and therefore we learn it's inclusive more so even than the call of Meiser Sheni. In fact, it includes the entire animal kingdom. Okay. Now the Gemara wants to know, Hashadam Rekol Ribuya, now that we say that it's inclusive, Vemtecha, the Dibras Arishonas, Vishor Vachamar, Dibras Arishonas, Lamali. Okay, well, if it's, if it's so inclusive, why do we need the term behema in the first version and an example of Shorva Chamor? We'll see from the answer what the question is. Amri, Shor Lagmur, Shor, Shor Lachasima. Right. So, in other words, if it had said Behemtecha and then Vechol Behemtecha, so then 
if the term kol in itself is so inclusive of the animal kingdom, shor v'chamor becomes uh, unnecessary. Right? We thought that shor v'chamor was helping us be inclusive by adding, yes, also the shor, also the chamor, but the whole thing is, uh, the whole shor v'chamor isn't necessary because we know from v'chobem techa that includes the entire animal kingdom without mentioning the shor v'chamor. So now the Gemara is going to answer that shor v'chamor have their own extra special limud and it is for that reason that they're mentioned in the luchos shniyos as follows. Says the Gemara, shor l'agmur is shor shor l'chasima amri with regards to the prohibition of working on Shabbos to muzzling an ox while it's threshing, we had a comparison, as we had mentioned earlier, right? That's how we know that the entire animal kingdom is, is included in the um, prohibition of muzzling. So because earlier of the eight prohibitions that there are to do with animal kingdoms, because two of them were compared to Shabbos, and the only way that they were compared to Shabbos is because of the comparison and Xer Shava of Shor, and Xer Shav Chamor, it is for that reason that Shor and Chamor appear in the Pasuk. Not to teach you Shabbos prohibition itself, but to link the Shabbos prohibition to two other prohibitions, namely the muzzling, right, and the, and the frika, right, and, and the helping the um, donkey in stress, right? Chamor, like Mur, Chamor, Chamor, le frika. See the, the donkey in distress. Bemtecha, like Mur, Bemtecha, Bemtecha, Lechilayim, and then the Bemtecha there is also to learn Xer Shava over to working the animals together, and it's for that reason. So it says the Gemara, Wait a minute. If plowing is derived from Bemtecha, so then maybe even a person should be not allowed to pull a plow with an animal, just like a person is, if you're learning, because this is, we didn't realize, is that that Bemtecha, Bemtecha is also learned from, from Shabbos? Well, Shabbos, human beings are also usher to do, right? Even human beings, you're not allowed to work your slaves on Shabbos. So maybe you shouldn't be allowed to have a slave and an ox pull a, a thing together. That should be a plow, that should also be kilayim. Al-Matnan, that can't be the case because if you look at the Mishnahis and Tanaim, you'll see that a human being is allowed to pull a load with any animal and therefore they don't, aren't not included in kilayim. So how do you reconcile that? I'm a papa. Papunoi yodi ta'imidahamilsa. You know, the Papunians knew this thing. Umanu, who's the Papunoi? Ravachabar Yaakov. He had the best notes in Shir. He's the Papunoi. He knows. What do you see? Teach us. Amar Kar, the Pasuk says, Laman yinuch avdacha ve'amatcha kamocha. Aha. The Hanacha. La Hanacha hikashtiv. By adding this idea that you should also rest. Okay. So it's for resting that you're including the slaves. Belola davar acher. Right? Not to anything else like Kalaim or anything else. So there's, in the Pasuk, there's a clue that's embedded in that Pasuk to teach you, right? Right? The Pasuk has a built-in clue that the Evid and the Ama have to rest like you, and therefore it is only with respect to resting that they're like you, but not with respect to Kilaim, and so that is blocking the Hekesh to Bamtecha, and we're good to go. Two lines up from the bottom of Nindal and Bez, two dots, here we go. Ten Commandments. Why does the word tov only appear by the second luchos? First Rashi in Hamad Aleph. Yeah, and the first set of luchos says respect your parents. Uh, and in the second set of luchos, it says respect your parents so it'll be good for you. Okay? So why is that only in the second set of luchos? Amar lo, Rabbi Chiyav says, "Achet hashalani l'ma neimar b'hem tov, shalani neimar b'hem tovim love." Before you ask me 
why it says tov, ask me if it says tov at all in the second set of luchos. She'eni yodeim, neymar ben tovim love. Because I'm not sure whether it says tov. Uh, yeah, exactly. Barry says, what do you mean? All the, yeah, did you see this? Like, our skull goes off. What, he didn't know, he didn't read inside the Chumash. He didn't know the difference between Simla and Salma. I mean, he knew everything. What kind of, <laughs> didn't know. So there's a lot of different explanations. Maybe he didn't know what exactly was engraved in the Luchos. I would say, does that really mean Tov? Like, okay, so obviously there's something a little deeper of what he means is, ask me if it says Tov. Anyway, Go to Rabbi Tanachum Bar Chilai, ask him this question. The point is, when you read the story, it's obvious that he's asking a little, something a little more esoteric than just whether it says the word Tov. Okay? So they went to Rabbi Tanachum Bar Chilai, Shaya Ragel, that's Rabbi Shubin Levi, Shaya Boki Ba'agada. Right? So he's not really asking what the actual words were, but the Agada, what is the teaching, right? There's a Hashkafic Shaila. Not every Rebbe is the Hashkafa Rebbe. He's asking Hashkafa, what's the reference of Tov that is referenced in the second set of Luchos, not in the first? So Azul Agabes, Rechanina, right, went to Avtanchon ben Chanchilai, who knew Rabbi Shuman Levi and therefore was holding, like, Rabbi Moshe Shapira's shir, something like that, right, of, of our generation, Amalei, Mimenu lo shamati. Actually, I never heard a word about this. So, the uh, the maternal uncle of Rav Acha Bar Chanina taught me the following. Some say it was the maternal grandfather. Be that as may, what do you say? Shem didn't use the word Tov in the first set of Luchos since they were destined to be shattered. Wow, Hashem knew it. He he knew that those first set of Luchos were were, were destined for that. That's incredible. Wait, and therefore what? So why wouldn't you write Tov? Amar Ravashi, unbelievable. Ravashi, our editor of the general editor of the Gemara, Chas v'Shalom Pascha Tov Yisrael, that God forbid, right? Tov should cease to exist. Something to the effect of you're familiar with this concept, Andrew. That had Moshe Rabbeinu entered Eretz Yisrael, then they, if they would have built the base of Mikdash, it could have never been destroyed. But Hashem it knew it would have been destroyed. Moshe Rabbeinu, who we call Tuvia. So in like, there's some sort of similar parallel. I had my friend Broshan come over for Shabbos. He says, Doc, calls me Doc. You know, we're all these young people. Are, I hang out with people that are half my age and, the, and, and they're a little more mature than me. But like when I used to hang out with them, we were the same maturity level. But he always asks, Doc, when are you going to start getting into the Nister? <laughs> That's what he wants to know. To me, to me I'm so old that we, I should be talking Kabbalah already. Okay. So this is where the Kabbalah already, this whole idea of Nister, of like, if the first Luchos had written Tov, they wouldn't have been breakable, kind of thing. It's the, the world would have been too perfect. We're, we're living in a complex, imperfect world, Andrew. I didn't want to break your, burst your bubble. So in this complex, imperfect world, even though everything seems perfect at four in the morning in Shari Zion, the Luchos, right, is just, they weren't ready. The world wasn't ready for the Tov. In the second set of luchos that are already sort of like inherently right uh, non-ideal, so then we're already we're ready for the uh, we can have the word tov. May our lives and all of Kali Yisrael experience only tov. Okay, so seven lines up from the wide. I'm Rabbi Yeshua. Let's talk a little bit about tov. If you see the letter test in, in your dreams, that's a good omen. My Maybe because the word Ted appears in the word Tov. Well, problem is it all appears in a lot of bad words too. In Isaiah, right? That we're going to sweep everyone out like a broom, sweep out Kali Israel like for destruction. 
So that's not good, and it has two tets in it, not uh, to boot. So the Gemara answers, that's exactly the vart. Chad tes kamina. We're saying if you see one tet, if you see two tets, it might be bad sweeping you away. One tet is, to, is tov. So the Gemara, not exactly. In Echa, Ema Tumasa Bishuleha, the disgusting Tuma in her, right, is, is on, she's wearing it on her sleeve, as it were, right? That's how bad we've descended. And Tuma has only one test. Test base coming in. No, we're saying if you see a test and a base, that's a good omen. Oh, well, not always. Ema Tavu Barat Sharel. Look at Echa, it has the test and the beds uh, right next to each other. Not Tov, but Tavu. You're going to drown. That's not good, Chasashalm. Okay, so what are you seeing in your dream? Yeah, it's going back to Tet. Not Tet, Bez, but Tet. But why is Tet a good sign? Because since the first mention of the letter Tet is Flatov, then that's how you know that the word Tet is good because the first time that anything's mentioned is the most important time. As the Gemara says, and then it says, right? Until that word Kitov, that's the first tet. Until from Bracious Bar, look it up. Here about Kari, you'll see. You'll never see the letter tet. Until the tov of or. Ah. Loksiv tet. That's the first mention of tet in the entire Torah. And therefore, the first time anything is mentioned, as you'll see in Pritzadik and elsewhere, is the most important. So if you tet, see a tet in your dream, that is a good omen. Even though it's using some bad words as well. Concerning different the text that you see in a dream. If you see a eulogy in your dream, that means you're spared in Shemaim and you're redeemed from trouble. But that's only if you see the word in writing. Okay, Three lines down in the wide. Okay, back to Kilaim. We said that those animals are included in Kilaim. You can't use different species of birds. Andrew, chicken, peacock, and partridge as, uh, that a Dafyomi coincidence? <laughs> okay, uh, the partridge is, is, is this, these are all going to be in Kilaim, which is to say, you can't have those two types of birds work together because you might think that, oh, that's just all one thing, it's a bird. No, you got to be more sophisticated than Andrew, that's parochial. It's all, it's all different species of birds can't be mated or we said there's two aspects of Kalim. You can't mate them together and you can't make them work together. So you can't do that. So the Gemara Pshita, that's obvious. Who would ever think that a peacock and a partridge is not, is not Kalim? Of course it is. Yeah, well, those specific examples of birds live together and you might have thought that animals that live together are not Kalim. And you would think that that qualifies it as being one min. No, Rish Lakish is explaining to you that... No, it's different species. Even if they live together, they cannot be mated together. Very nice. Similarly, Amar Shmuel, five lines down in the wide, Avaz v'avaz habar kilayim That even two types of geese, the regular goose and the wild goose, is kilayim. Wait, really? It's the same species now. And you're going to say that the domestic and non-domestic together is kilayim? What's your, what's your, what are you getting at? Why would you think that it's two different things? Is it because one has a long neck and one has a short neck? That can't be. We know that a Persian and Arabian camel, the Ha'alim where one's neck is thick and the other is thin, are you going to say that that's also kilayim? Nobody would say that. Like, are you going to start getting real detailed? Oh, that's the Arabian camel, that's the Persian camel, you're over on kilayim? For sure not. And yet, they have different size necks. Well, 
So a different size necks of the ducks is also shouldn't be an indication of why it's kilaim. So why dafka, the wild and the domesticated goose, uh, is kilaim? El amar is Yeah. The domestic goose has internal testicles and the, and the wild one does not. Well, that is an anatomical difference and that's significant enough to make them considered like really two different categories with respect to kilaim. Uh, the females are also different, by the way. Our papa, Amar Hatuna The female bears only one egg in a single at a, at a time. Whereas the domestic geese have many eggs right in a single time. That's, that's a really big biological difference. Did Chazal know biology? Think, it looks like they did. It looks like they did. Did they learn it from the Psukim and the Torah? How would they do that? <laughs> That's, uh, I'm not going to get into Torah Chazal science controversy here. I'm about to go to, later this week, I'll already be this, by the time the week is over, I should be in Torah's motion, so I'm not going to get in trouble now. But the point is, it looks like Chazal were interested in science. I think everybody should agree that they, they were, they were observing, they were observing these animals. Okay. I'm going to be Yerim Lakish. Would they be interested if there was a microscope, Andrew? Well, how, how would Rabbi Kiva react to a microscope? Chas v'shalom, get that thing out of here, get it away from me. Or we'd be interested to see how things work. We don't know. We're not there. Okay. Amar Biyam Amar Shlokish. It sounds like he'd be interested. Okay. Amar Biyam Amar Shlokish. Amar Biyash Nei Minim Shabiyam Loke. If you mate two kinds of creatures of the sea, you should get Malkus. Again, that's Kilaim. You're not allowed to mate them or work them together. So don't put the dolphin and the whale together. That's Kilaim. And it's Kilaim applies even to aquatic creatures. My time. How do we know? Amar Ravada Barava Mishmeda Ula. Asya Limineu Limineu Yabasha. Yeah, the word Limineu appears in the context of land animals, and in the context of, right, lamina, right? Go back to Genesis, look at creation, and you'll see the word lamina appears both by land animals and by aquatic animals. So just like Kilaim applies to land animals, it applies to aquatic animals as well. Bayi Rechava, Rechava was an unusual name for a dude, and he asks, Hamanig Be'ezah Vishibuta, the following question regarding Kilaim. Can you uh, lead your wagon with a Fish and a goat. Yeah, how do you do that? Mahu, what would be the lacha? So you'd have to be by the riverbank, Barry, and have one part of the yoke attached to an ox and the other one attached to a whale. Can you do that? Mahu. So Rechava, he's that guy that asks the question in Shir. Is that really using Kalaim? Because after all, like one could not go in the other, right? The Shibuta can go on dry land. And the goat can't go on the in the water, so boom, you're not over anything. Or maybe since actually you're leading them and you really looks like they're actually doing it together, maybe it is kilaim. Says the Gemara, Matkifla Ravina. Really, dude? Elamiyata. He rejected the line of questioning. He's saying, according to that, what are you going to say? Right, you know, there's also, aside from kilayim of animals, there's kilay hakem, right? You're not allowed to plant, um, this is in, right, you're not allowed to plant wheat and barley together in your hand. Well, what if you planted one in Eretz Yisrael and one outside of Eretz Yisrael? Would you say that you're chayev? In other words, you plant the wheat, let's say, inside Eretz Yisrael, and just on the border, you're going to plant the barley. Would you be chayev and kilayim? Everybody knows that you would not be chayev kilayim for that, okay? Um... This, however, according to Rashi and the Torah, is something that is a mitzvah tluya ba'aretz. Okay, so that's what the Gemara is going to end up saying. That's not 
exactly a comparison because again, uh, animals in the sea and animals in the land, okay, one sees one's land, but kilaim of like, you know, a dolphin and, and a whale pulling together in the sea should be an issue of kilaim, right? Uh, because kilaim can apply, as we just indicated, in the water or in the land. So you're going to say, okay, they, kilaim applies in the water, kilaim applies in the land. Can you have one animal in the water and one in the land? Okay, so that's an interesting question. But it's not similar to having the wheat in Israel and the barley in Chutzlaretz because it's a mitzvah tzluri ba'aretz. In Chutzlaretz, there is no Yisr of Kilaim. That's what Amri, Hashi, Hachi, Ashta. Is that really a comparison? Hasam, Eretz, Makam, Chiva, and Chutzlaretz, Lamakam, Chiva. In the case of wheat and barley, one has a Yisr Kilaim, one does not. Here in the case of the land and the sea, right, it is indeed a Chiv in both. And therefore, that question is really a better question than it sounds. Uh, weird question to, to be sure, but that you, we have not dismissed the question. So you, good for you, Rechava. Your question lasts all the way to the end of, of, of Shoshnagach Zapara. And with that, that was a great experience. And let us turn to the page of Nunhaim and Bayes and start the sixth parak of Bava Kama. Classic. You can't get out of junior high without learning Hakainas. Let's see why. The question would be, we know that you have to supervise your animals. And we talked about Barry's bull uh, at great length, did we not? Barry needed to watch that thing. That thing was out of control. Well, the question is, whether it's out of control or it's placid, at what point does Barry bear culpability? He has it penned in, right, in his farm. So how is there a shear, so to speak? Is there a threshold of how well his guarding has to be in order to make him culpable? In other words, if he tied up his whole farm like Fort Knox and the bull managed to get out regardless, does Barry bear culpability for that? He did the best he could. What, he's supposed to be spending his entire life strangling the thing down? No, he's supposed to move on with his life and do the normal precautions, reasonable and normal precautions. If he does so, he shouldn't be chayev. Let's look inside. Hakainist son the deer. You brought your sheep, right, into a fold, okay? You bring it, brought it in. Benal b'fanei And you locked it up like everybody locks it up. The same kind of gate that, they, that everyone buys. V'yatsu v'ezika. But sure enough, the deer escapes. Potter. Barry's potter. He can only be expected to do the regular precautions. Lo nal b'fanei Yeah, but if you put it in some sort of enclosure that's not properly closed, v'yatsu v'ezika. And then if it goes out and does damage, then chayef. It's as simple as that. Then Barry will be culpable because it has to do with how well he locked it up. And if it's a belayla, however, if, if it was breached at night, or or robbers breached it, he's not going to be chayv. In other words, it should also be pashit, right? In other words, it got breached somehow. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see what that, that means, obviously. But it was sturdy, right? He did the regular thing. It was all locked properly, but some mishap happened, and the thing got breached by a storm, let's say, or by people, robbers. So then obviously Potter, Barry's going to be Potter because he locked it up properly and there was a mishap overnight or some listim came in. So that's out of his control. Now, a, a, fun, a fun wrinkle here, Hotsiyu, a listim. So in other words, the, the first case is robbers come in and they break through and they just took the lawnmower. They didn't care about the animals. And then subsequently, the animals go out and do hezek, Barry's going to be putter, right? But what if they don't want just the lawnmower? They want the animals themselves. 
So then, Hotziu Alistim, if the robbers take the, the sheep out itself, Listim Chayavim, then they did what? Oh, let's get Lundus here. This is, why, this is why it's great for sixth graders. You teach them that the robbers made a Kenyan. They made a Kenyan on the animal. Now it's their problem. <laughs> See that? Kenyan Ganavim. That they did, they, they did a kidney on the animal. Well, once you did a kidney on the animal, it's their responsibility. They're going to be high for whatever damage those animals do. I love that. Abstract and amazing. Okay. Let's back into Barry now. He left the sheep out in the sun. So now Barry did the proper, he used the proper, right? he, he bought from the Amish all the proper sheds and, and fences. But... He put the animal in unusual circumstances that gave the animal a lot of extra incentive, as Rashi says, right? the first Rashi in base, right? To have the proper fence isn't going to be enough if you put the animal in enough distress that the animal wants to get out of there, right? So that's what it means. So if Barry did the right fence, it's not enough. You have to also keep the animal under normal conditions so that the animal doesn't leave. If it does, it's on you. Oh, or another thing Barry might have done, you put it under the watch of somebody who's not having the mental faculties to do so. So that's on you, Barry. That You're going to be chayev. But if you gave it to a shepherd, once you give it over to a shepherd, as we will see in the Gemara, it is assumed that the shepherd assumes all responsibilities. So if you hire somebody to take care of these animals, the shepherd becomes responsible for everyone. He, that's part of the contract, Barry. Okay. That is the first part of the mission. Then another thing. An animal, so we talk about Shane Varegel, that gets, uh, that, that gets relevant here. What if an animal falls into Andrew's garden from, let's say, the Rosh Hashanah above and starts eating all of his veggies? Mishalemis Mashanenis. So Rashi points out, there, Barry will only have to pay what he saved in animal food. Lefi Hanasa, says Rashi. Velolafi Hezika. Right? Your, your flower bed and your Right, so 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 um, everyone knows. Everyone in Baltimore knows. Andrew has beautiful uh, beds of hydrangeas and orchids. Now, those uh, those are very expensive, beautiful flowers. Uh, as animal feed, they're not that expensive. So Barry got like ten bucks worth of animal feed when his when his animal ate all of Andrews and hydrangeas. Uh, Andrew lost out on approximately fifteen hundred dollars worth of flowers. Barry only has to give him the 10 bucks, right? That is if it actually fell into Andrew's flower bed. But if it went down in its usual manner and just walked through, so then Barry pays for damage. You see the difference? The difference is it has to be kedarka, right? If the animal is doing it in its usual manner of daily function, so that's Shane Varegel, as we'll see, right? That is something that you're going to pay for the hezek, for the actual damage that you did. As opposed to if there's some sort of mishap, so then you only pay for what, for what you uh, actually gain from it. We'll see that inside. Okay. How do you damage? Let's say you're talking about damages. When it walked in um, in the regular Shane regular manner and trespassed into Andrew's thing and ate all his hydrangeas, how are you going to evaluate that? Well, we've already seen this. This is the locus classicus. This is where we see the source material. Shaman Yafa. We take, we bring an appraiser to Andrew's yard. We say, how much was all the stuff in the yard worth before? How much was his yard worth before? Becoming a yafa now, how is it worth now that, that um, Barry's animal ravaged everything? And you take the difference, and that's how much Barry owns Andrew. Rabbi Shimon Omer, as he said before, Achla Paris Gemurim, as Rashi points out, uh, Paris Gurum, uh, 
uh, Gemurim, that all of this of evaluating your hydrangeas and all that, or let's say it's veggies, all of that is if it's not yet ripe. But if you're eating actual ripe produce that's like ready to be shipped off to Whole Foods, then Meshalemus Paris Gemurim, then Yumamish will pay whatever Whole Foods would pay for it. Imsa Asa, Imsa Taim, Sa Taim. Now you're doing the produce not based on what? The value of the actual field or garden, but based on the actual bushels of whatever produce the animal ate, right? As if you was going out for sale, right? So that is Rav Shimon's um, um, contribution here. Okay, so let's see in the Gemara. Turn around. Is it Kuroi, Vezu Shilokoroi? What is considered like a reasonable at the symbolic time of 6.13 a.m.? What is the reasonable amount of guarding the bear he needs to do of his animal? Well, Del Shecholam Aluruch Matsuya. The Amish who makes the, make these fences know you need to make a gate that can withstand normal wind. Zeo Karai. Right? It's not going to flop around in a regular windy day. Right? Obviously, hurricanes uh, where the house is coming off the hinges, that's a whole different story. But regular wind, that's Rai. But if you skimp out, Barry, and you try to build yourself from some IKEA cardboard, that's not going to work, and that is going to be on you. Okay. I'm a, right if it's going to fall in the Ruach Matsui, regular wind. Amar Ramani Bar Patish. Man Tana Mu'ad Desagile Bishmir Pachusa. Okay, we had a mission of Mahayod Beis. I don't know if you noticed this. A weird, ironic wrinkle in the halacha that when it comes to a shore Mu'ad, this is very counterintuitive, Matt. A shore Tam, which is a placid shore, requires f- fine Amish fences. Otherwise, Barry's going to be culpable. For whatever reason, a wild bull doesn't require that. It leads an even lesser amount. It's like a weird irony in the halacha. Mani Barpatish wants to know where. He's got the <coughs> hammer in his hand. Is it where? See the pun that I did there? Mani Barpatish, doesn't matter. And he wants to know. What, which is it? So Rabbi Yehudahi. This is the Mishnah that Rabbi Yehuda taught us. Let's review the Mishnah from Hamid Bez. It's none. This was like the end of the last parak, so it's symmetrical because now we're at the beginning of the next one. Anyway, that's uh, not not the end of the, of of, of Shoshnagah Sapara, the one before that, the fourth parak. Ditnan Sharabala b'Mosera, right? Let's say Barry ties his ox with the reins. Vinal the fun of Koray, or locked it properly. Did all the proper thing. Hizik, and it went out and did damage. So of course you're going to be chayev. Uh, you're going to be chayev. Diver Meir. So Meir says you're going to be chayev regardless. Rabbi Huda Omer, Tam chayev muad Potter. How do you like that? That if he's a Tom, then Barry's going to be chayev. But if he's a muad, you're not going to be chayev. Right? This is when you did it a little bit less than you're supposed to. Where does it come from? The Pasuk says, It says by a muad, its owner didn't guard it. Unbelievable. Shamar Huzeh. Wow. In other words, by, this is again, an irony. By a shore muad, that's a wild bull, or whatever, wild ox, if it says, which means categorically any kind of shmir should be enough. As long as you did your minimal effort, that should be enough. It's a wrinkle that's an ironic in the Torah. said the other thing, that's what was at the end of the Pasuk, a kelevra, or any other thing that's like a real horrible or a snake or whatever. And some animals, the only way to watch it is to just kill it. Wow. Okay. Now, back to here. So, so Ramani wanted to say that this idea, our mission is reflecting Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara, no, if you'll take Rabbi Meir, 
shiny shein v'regel that Torah miyata b'shmirasan. That it can even be Rebbe Meir. In other words, when it comes to shein v'regel, we're not talking, so now we're saying there's different damages. Don't forget. When it says v'lo yishmeinu ba'alav, it clearly was talking about from Keret. That's the point. When it comes to shein v'regel, a reduced level of guarding should be required. Dama Rebbe Lazar, v'amir lebe mastisatana, some say Rebbe Lazar said it, some say it said it in Hebrew. So the following, There are four categories of things where the Torah said, you know what? And this is like uh, shades of the very first mission on all of Babakama. All of these categories of Hezek, they actually require a reduced level of guarding, which is to say, Wow. All those categories of Hezek, they require less guarding. What does it mean? I'll say it outside. It require a little bit more proactive to be chayev. When it comes to bor, it's not about like making a big moat around the bor and protecting it. Or when it comes to ash, it's not about containing the ash. There's an element where you, as long as you're not the one that kind of like proactively pushed it on your buddy and caused damage, you're not going to be chayev. That's what it means. Watch how that reads out in the psukim. Bor so now we're taking a tour of all of these. We, we're familiar with these pesukim already, right? It says if you dig a pit or uncover a pit, so that's proactive. Hakisau potter implies that if all you did was take a pit and cover it, you're going to be potter, even though the cover is only lesser protection. It's still going to be potter. Right? That you pay only if you're mavir See how that's proactive? You have to be as if you were like lighting it and bringing it to, and, and, and bringing it forward. But anything short of that, you're not going to be chayef. Shein dechsevu v'er acher. Again, consumes it in the fields of another. Ad de avid ke'enu v'er. Has to be as if he caused some sort of causative proactive behavior. However, if it was just a regular lesser shmira, you're not going to be chayef. Regal dechsevu v'shilach. Shilach, again, a language that's proactive. Ad de avid ke'en v'shilach. It has to be as if you were, like, encouraging the animal to do it. Anything short of that, where you're actually doing some lower level shmira, you're not going to be chayef for any of the arbabas nazikin. That's a big yesod. I'm glad we learned it. Of course, when you learn this in junior high, then it brings you back to all of Babakama. You teach Shane and Regel, right? You get, you can spend a month on this. Another Bryce also said, Shilach Regel, it means it sends forth the foot of the ox and the donkey, Uvir Shane. So now we're saying how Shilach is referring to Regel, proactively explaining that, again, breaking it down, that these words in the Pesukim are referring to the Arba of Nazikin. Be'er, as we've already said, is referring to Shein. The tooth consumes until the very end. Pesukim in Melachim and in Isaiah that uh, make those comparisons. Says the Gemara, right? If you don't do it in that proactive fashion, then you're not going to be Chayev. So according to that, however, that's how we know that it's only with respect to Regal and Shein, not Karen. It's Karen where you have the difference between Tam and Mu'ad. In fact, that is a precise reading of, of that Mishnah. Diktani Tzon. Because we say Tzon. Mechdi b'shor kaskin v'asi. Why do we say Dafka Tzon? Because if it would have been Shor, Shor has the aspect of Karen. Right? Nisni Shor. Maishna Diktani Tzon. Why do we Dafka say Sheep? Lav Mishim de Torah Meitav Shvir Asan. Lav Mishim de Khan Karen. Lok Sivibay. Shen Varegel. Lok Sivibay. Mash Malan. The Shen Varegel. Mahadamu. Shmami. No. That's how we know. Right, that when it comes to Shane Varegel, right, it is that which is referring to with the Miyuta, but with Karen is a different set of rules. So we we'll resume tomorrow, Bezat Hashem. I'll be off to Eretz Israel. I miss you guys for a week. Moshe Aziz, hang in there. But two dots, five lines up from the bottom, and then hey, I'm at Bez. Back to you.